Hey, Derek. Always good to uh, chat with you. Hey, Peter. How you doing? So it's, it's great to chat with you again, too. Yeah, keep him busy at headquarters. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, it's been a while since we've talked about uh, how the whole threat landscape has changed yeah. and and what you've seen at FortiGuard Labs uh, with the threat going on. Uh, when we first talked, it was kind of a couple months into the, uh, the shelter in place in the pandemic. And we talked a bit about how we saw a surge of some type of attack and shifted others. You know, now we're in kind of, you know, six months in, you know, what are you seeing now? What's happened since uh, we last talked? Yeah, so um, the threat landscape is very fluid always, uh, but uh, even more so this year. It's been really interesting uh, to, to watch. And we're watching it closely at Forty Guard Labs, of course. So, you know, yeah, last time we talked, I think we're talking about some of the shifts, some of the early indicators of the trends, uh, particularly when we looked at things like, uh, you know, uh, COVID-19 related social engineering mm -hmm. lures and scams. Uh, we have, um, you know, we have traps, uh, honeypots, sensors, we have uh, threat hunting rules, where we follow this on a, on, on a daily basis, actually on an hourly basis, uh, specific to these campaigns. And yeah, I think last time we talked, you know, we saw some promising early indicators. We saw, um, you know, the COVID-19 related um, social engineering lures uh, almost having, halving in volume every month. And, you know, I think we were down from a peak of about 350 different ones per day uh, in, in, you know, uh, late March, April, going down to about just under 100 in the June, July standpoint. Yeah, I remember we were showing great uh, progress. Yeah, and and that's promising. It's sort of a double-edged sword, right? It's it's, uh, it's it's promising because there's impact. I think that's a direct result of of the work that we do at Forty Guard Labs, adding more resilience, tracking these, making you know disclosing those, making it like exposing these campaigns to cyber criminals, working with partners like Interpol, um, the the whole nine yards, and. Um, so it's good to see that sort of impact. It, you know, it takes a while, but even looking to today, um, that's, that number has really dwindled off. Uh, in fact, when it comes to email, it's almost non-existent now. You know, we're, we're dealing with uh, single digits to low double digits per day. Wow. Um, so significant uh, difference. Um, but as we talked about last time, that's not to say that the threats have gone away. Um, they take new forms uh, because cyber criminals um, are, are definitely still lurking out there. Mm -hmm. So what are you seeing now? Yeah, well, so, so we released our, uh, we, we just released um, about a month ago now, uh, our first half of 2020 uh, threat landscape report. So that's a good mid-year mm -hmm. review, review to give a, a pulse check on, on what's been happening. Um, I, I would say not too surprising, but definitely very real. Um, you know, what we saw in that report was that uh, for the first time in, in our threat report, um, we saw web-based threats taking uh, pull position for the attack delivery methods. And, and that coincides with what I was talking about with those COVID numbers decreasing uh, in email. Uh, so the, mm -hmm. the, the social, you know, email basically being favored for social engineering lures, uh, shifting yeah. to web-based threats. Um, so things like malicious SEO, drive-by downloads, so websites that host exploits uh, to attack victims mm -hmm. through malware. Um, also, um, you know, vulnerabilities in web, um, you know, cloud and, and web uh, services, as an example, um, web servers. Those are all, um, th those have all been uh, the, the preferred attack method. And I think, you know, Peter, that's a direct result of 
what we were talking about before this this whole movement long term now uh, of you know uh, employees going to, um, to 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 home networks and if you think about what people do on home networks um, there's a lot of web traffic going to those devices and, mm-hmm. and beyond the traditional safeguards of corporate email security as an example mm-hmm. yeah a lot of times uh, the home networks the they have a might have a VPN back to headquarters, but a lot of companies have split tunnels where employees can go straight out to those websites. So I guess it would yeah. make sense that you, we might see a rise in attacks uh, yeah. from that web vector. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing we saw in the report was um, so that's one side, one side of it. That's like the uh, the you know uh, penetration compromising of devices. Um, mm-hmm. If we look at the payloads that are being sent as well, um, botnets, uh, IoT is still front and center. Uh, we saw Mirai as an example. A lot of these traditional IoT-based bot- botnets. Well, really- Mirai came back. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah big time. And and um, not just you know. Well, these botnets are flourishing in, in these environments now. If, um, if you really think about it, right? Because um, uh, those. Uh, you know, of course, with IoT-based attacks, it's not so much about you know why why would I um, DOS your printer or hack your printer? Um, these are stealth hiding zones that they use as springboard attacks, lateral movement, right, to be able to get into mm-hmm. the juicy stuff as as, as uh, cyber criminals will look at it. Yeah, I guess it highlights the fact that home networks um, are not the safe place. Uh, it's not necessarily home sweet home if all these devices are become launch board yeah. springboards for hackers to actually get back into corporate assets and, and uh, yeah. applications. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, that kind of you know speaks to a little bit about what we're seeing on the, the product side because um, you know, Fortinet, we sell teleworking security solutions and uh, we've seen a, a surge in interest in what we call our super user setup. Uh, where, you know, for our general user, uh, they would have a VPN client they could connect back to headquarters. Uh, But for the super user, we've seen a lot of interest in the idea of putting an actual firewall uh, in the home network. Uh, And that really protects that uh, employee uh, from everything else that's in that home network, gives them a uh, completely secure connection back to headquarters, and it's still managed by the, the IT group. It's not like the yeah to become an it specialist to do this yeah. um and so we've actually seen a, a surge in interest in that and so it makes uh i think it you know now that we've kind of i guess moved to phase two where things are looking more permanent and long term that we're going to be working from home uh people are looking for more permanent solutions and so i think that's why we're seeing something uh in our product sales along those lines are you seeing anything on the threat side it kind of you know mirrors that or, or reflects yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that, that's what I meant. Uh, sort of alluded to earlier uh, that it's been interesting to watch because we can often look at trends and movements and and experience of following, um, in some aspects, similar events. Not not to this global scale uh, with the pandemic, but regionalized events. You know, hot topics and news and um, you mm-hmm. know attack tools that are released. So we can go off you know education and history that way. And um, as I said, it's sort of predictable in a sense that, yeah, we saw like it, even with these social engineering lures they're using, the social engineering lures, of course, were, were related to, um, you know, phase one to some to some economies reopening, went from layoff and termination notices to tax benefits and trying to hire these sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. 
And now that that's kind of all gone through, um, as I said, I am seeing the same thing from a threat point of view where I think, you know, cyber criminals are realizing that now these targets, right, um, you know, end users, uh, home users, employees working from home uh, are likely going to be there for for the long haul um, Mm -hmm. foreseeable future. So what we it's interesting, even if we look at non threat data, um, it shows us opportunities that attackers are uh, looking at. this is just the state, I would say, of of the landscape out there right now. It's interesting. I was just looking at numbers from July uh, and to, to August as an example, a one-month difference. Uh, VPN usage, from what we see from our application control traffic, is up uh, with uh, 34%. Uh, it's a pretty significant rise uh, just from July yeah. to August. Yeah, and um, probably more interesting, I would say, would be RDP. A good old RDP remote desktop protocol. This has been around forever, um, mm-hmm. and that, that we saw a surge in that is eighty-five percent increase with RDP traffic. And of course, if we look in the past, you don't have to look any further than old culprits like like WannaCry, NotPetya, all these things that really thrived on RDP vulnerabilities. There's that side of the house, but also the fact that sometimes these RDP ports are opened and attackers see that as a gateway into systems too. Um, so it's something definitely to be very careful of. And of course, um, just really underscores the importance of um, securing that, uh, to be able to inspect it, to protect against uh, attacks on that protocol through IPS as an example, the, the home firewall solution that you, for super users that you mentioned. I think really ties what, in. What do you think is creating all that additional VPN connections and RDP traffic, because we have pretty much the same number of people working from home in July and August. What's, why are they generating more traffic of these types? New setups, I would say, right? Um, so it's that attack surface that's still expanding. I mean, yeah, the people, it may be static, um, but the platforms and technology aren't, right? I'm just gonna be more, uh, more, more, more VMs, more endpoints being set up, more uh, integration and connectivity, especially now that people are realizing this isn't just a temporary solution, right? So permanent um, home offices that might have an extra webcam or an extra yeah. keyboard or, or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely, huh. yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, we did, uh, we did a survey of uh, organizations around their teleworking experience. Uh, and one of the things that we discovered is uh, more than uh, 60% of the enterprises were planning on spending $250,000 on teleworking enhancements in the next couple of, of uh, in, sorry, in the rest of this year. Um, wow. So that certainly speaks to the fact that corporations are investing in the infrastructure uh, to enable their employees to be more productive uh, now that we're facing a long-term uh, remote working situation. Um, also, you know, they're also looking at additional security solutions that they might want to put in place. So I was, uh, we did ask a bit about some of the things that they were doing from a security standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and while most of them did have VPN in there, uh, many of them did not have uh, a multi-factor uh, capability. Yeah. So. Um, I'm sure you could talk a bit about how weak uh, just a username password is and how easily those get stolen and, and oh, yeah. used. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we did see people that they were looking to add multi-factor authentication. Also, there was uh, 60% were looking at adding uh, NAC or, or EDR, NAC, so that they could start doing assessments on uh, what was coming in on those VPN tunnels uh, from the, the home office. And uh, EDR 
just to beef up the security capabilities of those endpoints that were located remotely so yeah. that they could be a bit more uh, self-healing, they, they, you know, more resistant to uh, the various malwares and ransomware that uh, might attack them. And, and managed as well, right? I mean, you hit on that earlier with IT being wanted to be, be, uh, wanting to be able to obviously control and manage those 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 uh, oh yeah points outside, yeah, yeah. That's a big part as well because they're recognizing that they've got to get their hands around this. Yeah. The last trend we saw was um, a huge surge in the interest around SASE. You know, there's mm. been a lot of talk recently about SASE. It's pretty big on the hype cycle, um, but a, actually a small fraction of folks have actually deployed it. And early on in this part, still a relatively small fraction are, are planning to deploy. We're talking like 15% had deployed, another 15% are, are committed to doing it near in the near future, but mm -hmm. a full 50% are planning to do that. So they're definitely you know scratching around to find good solutions uh, for remote work. Well, Eric, it's been fun and educational as always talking with you and hearing about uh, what the FortiGuard Labs team has been seeing up there. It's, it's always eye-opening to, to see the, the crazy things you guys are discovering yeah. and, and tracking. Yeah. Rest assured, we are here and uh, busier than ever. So, um, like I said, it's it's very it's been interesting to watch, but also it's a, it's been a critical time uh, for, for everything. And uh, security and threat intelligence is no exception. So, um, you know, we're, we're following this um, uh, every minute, every hour. 24-7-365 at uh, Forty Guard Labs. Sounds good. Well, till we talk again next time. Good talking with you.